Oh, man. Woo. That is so great. That is so great. Yeah, my kids, they would be like, uh, I ate all your Halloween kids. Of course you do, Dad. You do it every single year. <laughs> oh, man, it's so great. Again, my name's Glenn, and I'm one of the pastors at the Sending Church, and so the people who are a lot of the leaders here, they're my friends, and we're in the same neighborhood. We serve together, and I'm so, so excited to be here, and I want you to know that I'm not the lame guest speaker, and I know we've got costumes going on, and I've got the best costume of all. In fact, I'm going to get it ready right now. You're going to love it. You know, uh, who needs Superman? Who needs, who needs Batman when you can have, you can be Pastor Paul? Got the shark fin rock in it. So anyway, so anyway, so, so kudos to Paul. Now my kid, my own kids threw me under the bus. They said, Dad, you're not as cool as Paul. So, so lay the fin down, Dad. Lay the fin down. Lay the fin down. <laughs> anyway, and I know this, this, this is, sounds really, really creepy. I promise it's not, but I've been stalking you guys. I have. I've been, I've, been, I've been watching what God's been doing through you through Facebook. I've been listening to your messages. Any lion chasers out there? Oh, yeah. Woohoo! Yeah, if you haven't heard that series, you've got to pick up the last few weeks. Paul's been talking about that. So, so encouraging. And I love the life change that's happening in your lives and the things that you're doing in people's lives. And it's such, such an honor to be here. And, of course, happy Halloween. And in honor of Halloween, um, I've chosen, or God's laid on my heart, a passive scripture that's really scary. So you have to promise me, after I read this Bible passage, that you don't bolt for the door. I promise there's truth. I promise there's hope. You wait till I read, you're going to go, I did not know this was in the Bible. It's okay. I promise. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. So let's turn in your Bibles, thumb your way there to Matthew 15. We're going to start in verse 21. This is about Jesus and his disciples meeting with a Canaanite woman. Verse 21 says this, Leaving that place, they were in uh, Capernaum and Galilee, around the Sea of Galilee. Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and that is about like a two-day walk away. And a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Whoops. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. And Jesus replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. So stick with me. The thing that I love about this passage is also the thing that makes us crazy. It's because it's confusing. It doesn't make sense when we first read it. And life is messy too, isn't it? Sometimes life doesn't make sense. And if you have been following Jesus for just a little while, maybe you haven't learned this yet, but if you follow Jesus long enough, I promise you will find yourself walking through circumstances that do not make sense. I don't know what's going on, God. And this woman gives us a good idea of what to do to help us encounter Jesus and experience him in a meaningful and powerful way. I want you to know that Jesus is with you. That's our big thought today. Jesus is with you. No matter where you've been, what you've done, where you're going through, Jesus has your back. 
And one of the great things about Jesus, he loves us so much, he accepts us the way that we are, but he never leaves us just the way that we are. And the irritating thing is for, that first happens here is that Jesus doesn't seem to answer this woman. He's, he's silent. Which brings up our first big thought today is that Jesus is for you even when he seems silent. Now, most of you ladies, you're familiar with the dreaded torture known as the silent treatment. And here's how it works. Your man messes up. Something goes on. We don't know what it is. And he's not worth a lecture. He's not worth throwing the frying pan at. And so you give him the silent treatment. And when you clam up, you know you're sending daggers of pain and torture deep into the fiber of his very being. And at the end of the day, he's going to come clamoring and says, what did I do? What did I do? And you women, you're so perceptive. But one of the things that you regularly do is you underestimate our emotional capacity as men. Because as men, it's like when we're quiet, we're happy. And if you're quiet, we think you're happy too. And so... And so your man, he comes home and he says, hey, babe, how's it going? And then it's, you can't say anything because you've, you've declared silent treatment, that torture, and you give us that look. You know, it's where the phrase, if looks could kill, come from. You give us that look, and then we say, uh-oh, what did we do? What did we do? But all fun aside, there is a silence that really does hurt. It doesn't matter who you are, male, female, or whatever. And that's when that silence means rejection. If this hasn't happened to you, you probably know someone who it's happened to. Maybe you're in a relationship and you're getting closer and that commitment level's rising, the intimacy level's rising, uh, you feel comfortable with one another, and then all of a sudden, one breaks off the contact and you don't hear anything. You call a voicemail, you text, nothing. And finally, you track them down and face-to-face, they tell you that they've moved on. And sometimes in our lives, when we are facing challenges and we don't feel like we hear from God, we can transfer that same type of feeling onto Jesus. And I want you to know that when you can't hear from God, when it feels so quiet that he has not given up on you, he has not turned his back on you, and he is with you. In fact, he wants to use that time to build your faith. Jesus used his silence to build this woman's faith. Here's this one thing that she did that I absolutely love. She looked at Jesus. She kept her eyes on him. Because even though Jesus' disciples didn't reflect what Jesus wanted, even Jesus' words didn't reflect his care, she knew when she locked eyes with Jesus that he was for her, that he loved her. It gave her great encouragement and great hope. In fact, in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, like verse 1 or 2, it says to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Because when you fix your eyes on Jesus, you realize that he's bigger than your problems. He's bigger than your doubts. He's bigger than your failures and your shortcomings. And he meets you, loves you, and accepts you, and will help you through this season of your life. I love it. You know, to us, it seems like nothing is happening when we feel this silent treatment from God. But rest assured, God is hard at work in you every second that you keep holding on to him and don't give up. You see, your faith grows sometimes more in those quiet moments. When you hold on to Jesus, you don't run away, and you don't give up. Your faith grows more even in those moments than when God answers your prayer right away. And so God never wastes your pain. He never wastes your confusion. And he uses those moments in our lives to build us up 
and draw us to him. Man, that helps me. I hope it helps you too. Now, I just want you to know that this scenario, this whole conversation that Jesus is having with the disciples and this woman, it makes no sense at all unless you look at it in context, unless you really factor in that Jesus is trying to teach the disciples a lesson. And, and one of the things that the disciples, they're having a hard time. They were not doing so hot at all. Which brings up our next thought for today, which we can apply to our lives, that Jesus is for you when you fail. No matter what you've done, your sense of failure, look, Jesus takes care of it. You are accepted by him. And when we look at the disciples, we have to realize Jesus, he's been working on them. He's been hacking away on the issues that they've had in their lives. In fact, before they take this two-day trip, all the way from uh, their Jewish territory, from Capernaum and the Sea of Galilee, all the way over into this Gentile territory of Tyre and Sidon, both Matthew and Mark, which record this story, they both talk about Jesus interacting with the religious leaders. And the religious leaders, they are giving Jesus a hard time because his disciples didn't follow all their rules just right. Like they had special rules for washing your hands before you eat. Now, just free advice, it's really good to wash your hands before you eat. You know, that's like really important. But you had to go through all these special steps to wash your hands just right. And there are only certain things that you could eat. And on and on and on. And so Jesus, he kind of dropped a bomb right on the religious leaders of the day, and also on the disciples because they grew up with this teaching. He said, it's, it's not washing your hands that cleans your heart, but confessing your need. He also said, it's not what goes into your mouth, not what you eat that defiles you, but what comes out of your mouth, the things that you say and the thoughts that you have and what you do. And the disciples, they came up to Jesus and said, Lord, we don't understand. Why did you make the religious leaders so angry? And Jesus said these words, so kind and so loving. He said, are you still so dull? Are you still so ignorant? And I can relate to that, you know. I'm so glad for the disciples. They don't have it all together. They're figuring stuff out along the way, which just encourages me and gives me great hope. And Matthew, I want you to know that he goes out of his way to let us know that this woman was not Jewish at all. And they took a two-day trip trip all the way into this area, this Gentile area. They are in a Gentile's house, and on top of that, they're t- talking to a woman, which you didn't do in that day and age. I know it's kind of crazy, but that's how it was back then. And the disciples, they're having a hard time letting go of one of these Jewish traditions, which they had grown up with for years, and it was prejudice against Gentiles. Did you know that if you went into a Gentile's house, that's someone who isn't a Jew, if you went into someone's house who's not a Jew, you had to go through the special purification process before you could come into the temple. And Jesus didn't like that kind of thinking. He was not going to have that at all. Because he wants his love, his grace, his mercy, and his forgiveness to be offered to the entire world. Think about this. How do you think Jesus wanted the disciples to respond when this woman walked up? What do you think he wanted them to do? Well, when you think about it, you know. You know Jesus wanted his disciples to pray for this little woman's daughter to be freed from demon possession and to be healed. That's what he wanted them to do. But what did they do? They said, Lord, send her away. They're griping like like crying babies and and. 
if that's not bad enough, they're completely overlooking the pain that this woman and her family have been enduring. And if that's not failure, I don't know what is. It's utter cruelty. And it's easy for us to be angry and frustrated with the disciples. But when we realize that we mess up too. In fact, I've messed up and I have a confession that I have to make. And Paul's going to kill me when he hears me say this. But it's, it's embarrassing and it's awful, but I have to say it. Here it comes. I am not perfect. Oh, there it is. I know it's such a shock to all of you. I'm not perfect. In fact, I got issues. Just like the song, you know, I got issues, you know. And not only that, you're not perfect, and you got issues. In fact, all God's children, we all got issues. We have all failed. We have all fallen short. We have all missed the mark. And Jesus meets us where we are. Jesus didn't judge the disciples. He challenged them to change, but he didn't judge them. And Jesus doesn't judge you. And here's some great, great news. Here at Gulfside Church, you won't be judged either. This is a place where you can be authentic, where you can be real. You can bring your questions. You can bring your failures. You can bring your hurt. And you will find acceptance. You will find love. You will find people who will live life with you and help you take your next step. So you are safe here. This is a safe place. And if you don't believe me, you can just jump on Facebook and social media and listen to the stories of the people who go here. Because we're real here. We don't pretend, and we love Jesus, and we love you. You are welcome here. You know, Jesus didn't give up on the disciples, and so far he hasn't given up on me, and I promise he will not give up on you. There's nothing that you can do that would make God love you any more. And there's also nothing you can do that would make God love you any less. I love that, I love that, I love that. And Jesus loves us so much, he accepts us just the way that we are. We don't have to change a thing for him to love us. He also loves us so much that he never leaves us the same. We're all on a journey. We all have room to grow. We all have room to improve. And Jesus is with us every step of the way. Here's another thought today, is that Jesus is for you when nothing makes sense. And sports fans, let me tell you, there's no way that this woman could understand what was going on behind the scenes. I mean, for crying out loud, we have a hard time figuring it out, and we're reading about it after it happened. And so this is so challenging for her. But she realized even though that things don't make sense, Jesus is for her. Because the disciples wanted to send her away. And then Jesus says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then she said, Lord, help me. And Jesus said, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the puppies. I know the Bible says dogs, but that's actually a bad translation. The word is kunarion, and it means puppies. It just makes Jesus not sound so bad. <laughs> now, when Jesus said these phrases, I want you to put yourself in the room and imagine the looks on the disciples' faces. Because what, what I believe happened is that Jesus said what they were thinking. He spoke the words that they were imagining. Because these words actually aren't true. The words that Jesus said... In these moments, these phrases aren't actually true. And so to help us, I thought we'd play a game. We're having trunk or treat here in a minute. And, you know, what better way to help us understand this passion than to play a little game? The game is truth or trash. So here's the first statement. Jesus said, I was sent only to save the lost sheep of Israel. Truth or trash? Truth. He said that. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Jesus only wants Jewish people to be saved. Trash. That's trash. 
And to help you understand that, Jesus himself said in John 3, 16, he said, God loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son that whosoever believes in me would not die but have everlasting life. He also said in Matthew 28, he said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, every tribe, every tongue, every language, every people group, and teach and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you and I will be with you even to the end of the age or even to the end of the earth. That's pretty awesome. Truth or trash? I know it's hard. Jesus said it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs, meaning that, you know, that's true. Truth or trash? Jesus thinks Jews are more important than Gentiles. Well, that's trash. That's trash. Jesus loves us all. Just the same. In fact, Jesus, he told a story about a great banquet. He said, the kingdom of God is like a banquet. It's in Luke 14. And here's what happened. There's this master. He sent out his servants. And he said, I want you to invite our neighbors, invite our friends, invite everybody that we know. We're going to have a great feast. And in these days, when you had a party, it wasn't like, hey, we're grilling out. Come on over. This was like a multi-day thing. This was like something that only happened once every few years, and this was one of those events, like a wedding feast. And so he invites them, and his servants come back one by one, and they all give lame excuses from every single person that he invited. I mean, this is just like travesty. I mean, this is like huge, huge drama when Jesus is telling this story. You know, you know what the master, he, said, he told the servants to go. He said, go out. Go out into the highways and the byways. Go out to the main roads and the side roads and the small roads. Go near and go far. And I want everyone who will come to come join me at my banquet table. He said these words, because my house will be full. See, Jesus wants us all. He wants everyone to be a part of his salvation, his love, and his grace. And that's really good news. When, we, when we're looking at this at the, in these moments here, it's a huge moment. It's a, it's a big historical moment because this is the very first miracle that Jesus does outside of Jewish territory. And the meaning is huge because it means that salvation is for everyone. And that really makes me happy because I'm not Jewish. Well, I mean, we all have Adam and Eve to look back to. But other than that, you know, my Jewish heritage is pretty sketchy. And so it's good to know that we are all welcome, that we are all accepted. Jesus is forcing the disciples to come face to face with their issues. They're feeling very unclean. They're feeling defiled. They're feeling very awkward. And Jesus is helping them get over that. Which leads us to our next big thought today. It's this. When you believe that Jesus is for you, it changes everything. I love this so much. It changed everything about this woman's life, didn't it? I love how she, she bared her soul to Jesus. She came before him. She didn't give up. She didn't leave. She stuck with him every step of the way. When you believe Jesus is for you, it gives you supernatural strength. It gives you amazing hope and courage. She knew Jesus didn't want her to leave. And I love her response. Even in the midst of these confusing statements, the Bible says that she knelt down before Jesus. And the word kneel is more than just putting your knees on the floor. It's more than just a position. 
This word kneel, it conveys an aspect of honor. In fact, the King James Version of the Bible translates it, she worshiped Jesus. And my friends, when you're feeling the silent treatment, when you don't understand what's going on, we must follow this precious little mama's example and worship Jesus. Because here's what worship does. Worship releases power in your spirit. It gives you courage. It gives you hope. It helps you look past your circumstances to see your Savior. Because when you focus on Jesus, when you focus your energy, your heart, and your love upon him, he comes rushing into your life, and he makes amazing things happen. You see, when you realize that the Messiah of the world is for you, you realize that whatever he has to offer is more than enough. Isn't that good? I want to talk a little bit about this town where they were in. This is obviously a Gentile town. It's not a Jewish town, and so there are temples all over the place. There's a temple to the Baal God. There's a temple to the God Asherah. And one temple was the primary temple in that place, and it was to Eshmoon. He is the Phoenician God of healing. And no doubt, this woman took her daughter to the temple of Eshmoon, and nothing happened. And she grew up there. And so when she knelt before Jesus, she was turning her back on the gods that she grew up with. She was leaving behind the temples that she had gone to all the way from her childhood. And she said, Jesus, I believe that you are the Messiah. I believe that you are the one who was sent from God. And I believe that you are my only hope. And I worship you. And the power of God changed her. And the power of God transformed her and renewed her. Because despite the silence, despite the confusion, she praised Jesus as she knelt down. And when you worship, you bring the presence of God into your life and into your circumstances. So when you're hurting, when you're confused, when you're angry, when you're lonely, that is the best time to worship. It also might be the hardest time to worship, but that's the best time to worship because you're bringing the glory of God into your life and into your circumstances. Because the love of Jesus, the presence of God is bigger, it's far bigger than whatever you are going through. I want to invite the worship team up as I close with these thoughts. And when you believe that Jesus is for you, you will experience the power of God. And we're going to talk about the miracle that happened in this little daughter's life here in just a minute. But, but this mom, she experienced the power of God. And I love the irony of this moment. Jesus fills this little mama with the power of his Holy Spirit, and she preaches to his disciples. When Jesus said, uh, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the puppies, her response was, yes, it is. Yes, it is, Lord. And in that moment, the light went on in the disciples' hearts, and they realized the error of their ways. And the very person for whom they had prejudice against, Jesus used to teach them a lesson about his kingdom and his love for the whole world. What an awesome, awesome thing. In Jesus' response to her, I love his response to her. He said, woman, great is your faith. And what I love about it, he didn't say, you're so witty. 
Your, your answer was so creative. He said, great is your faith because faith is what inspires God. Faith is what calls God into action. When we trust him, it releases his power in and through us because when we trust him, we're partnering with him to get involved in what he is doing in our lives, in our families, in the people that we see and rub shoulders with. And he is with us. And so my friends, the God of the universe, he wants to release his supernatural power through you. He wants to use you to reveal his love to the people in your life. He wants, you, he wants to use you to speak freedom, to speak life, to speak hope into others. He wants to use you as a channel of his blessing and his grace and his favor right in your own family, right in your own home, in your marriage. And that is so encouraging to know that the God of the universe is on our side, that he is with us, that he is surrounding us. And so my friends, don't sell yourself short. Don't make excuses and by all means, never give up, never give up. I just wanna ask you guys to bow your heads with me as we pray and close our time together. Jesus, thank you for your acceptance. Thank you for your love and thank you for dying on the cross to pay for our sins. Thank you for rising from the dead and filling us with your spirit. And maybe you're in this room right now and you're struggling. You're in one of those quiet moments with God. I'm not going to call your name or point you out, but if that's you, would you just raise your hand if you're struggling right now in your relationship with God? That's so good to see. So Jesus, together we come before you and we thank you that you meet us at our point of need, that in our pain, in our hurt, in our worry, in our fears, that we can lay them down before you. And in Jesus' name, find freedom. In Jesus' name, find hope and encouragement and love from God. Maybe you're like the disciples and you're painfully aware of your shortcomings and your failures. My friends, look into the eyes of Jesus and see his love. He accepts you just the way that you are. He died on the cross to purchase the very thing that you are ashamed of. It belongs to him, and he welcomes you with open arms. You can receive his grace. You can receive his salvation. You can receive his hope simply by placing your life into his hands and saying, I don't understand everything, but I'm following you. And so be strong, be free, be whole. And just like this woman's daughter was healed, I believe that we can ask for healing to happen in our lives. Emotional healing, physical healing. And I'm gonna ask you to do something awkward. Maybe if, if, uh, if you're not well, if you're sick, if you would just stand. Maybe there's a loved one in your family who is sick or struggling with something emotionally or physically. If you could just stand. I'm not going to call your name out or point out to you. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe someone else. Yeah. Good. We're just standing in faith, trusting Jesus. We're just standing in faith. That's so good. That's so good. And so, Lord, right now, we lift up our friends to you. That's right. Feel free to stand any moment. Any moment you may stand up. Even for those of us who are a little intimidated about standing, we imagine our loved one before you. The sickness that they're dealing with, the addiction that they're dealing with, and we break that power in Jesus' name. We ask for your supernatural love, your, your grace, your energy, your capacity to flow into them right now. 
And Lord, we curse cancer in Jesus' name. We ask for your healing vitality to flood their bodies and fill their souls by the power of your Holy Spirit. We come against depression. We come against loneliness. We come against all those things that tear us apart from you. And we speak grace and healing and love into those lives right now in Jesus' name. And so, Father, we also come before you and we ask for you to heal relationships. I know there's always marriages that are struggling. So, God, send your strength, your courage, your wisdom, and your hope. And in Jesus' name, we speak peace between parents and children, between in-laws and family members and co-workers. Let your love reign supreme. And Lord, all of us, all of us need to be filled with you. So church, would everyone just stand with me? We're going to sing in just a minute. Just everyone stand with me. Just stand with me. As we stand before you, before we sing, Lord, I just say be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the strength and the love of God. His power is moving in your life. The Savior has come to save you. He is setting you free and drawing you to Himself. In Jesus, we stand to honor you and the things that you want to do in and through us. It's in your mighty name that we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.